everyone and welcome back to the Android Central podcast. My name is Shruti Shaker. I am the editor-in-chief here at Android Central and we have not recorded a podcast in a month. So if I stumble, forgive me, I have forgotten how to talk into a mic. We record podcasts? <laughs> Why didn't anybody tell me? <laughs> All right, let me introduce my lovely friends with me. I've got Nick Cetric. Hello, hello. Yep, King of Bad Jokes is back. Thanks. <laughs> I've got Derek Lee. Hello. Hello, everyone. And I've got Michael Hicks. Hello, hello. Hey. All right, let's get right into it. We, you know, obviously we took quite a bit of a break because November was a little bit of a crazy month for everyone here at Android Central. We were dealing with a lot of different kinds of events happening, especially with Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Um, but now we're back into the groove of things and it's December 7th. So happy December, everyone. Let's talk about the number one big news that happened of the month, which came out yesterday, uh, if I am not mistaken. Uh, Google Gemini is here to set the stage for AI models in 2024 and beyond. And if you all remember, Gemini um, was announced initially during Google I.O. last year. And I believe there was a bit of, there were some delays that were happening, but essentially Gemini is Google's AI model. Um, and this AI model is comprised of three different sizes, including Gemini Nano, Pro, and Ultra. Gemini Nano is designed for mobile devices while Gemini Pro is being integrated into Google Bard. And Gemini Ultra is set to arrive sometime next year and will be part of the new Bard Advanced Experience. Essentially, this is you know to make it really easy for people to understand. It is um, Google's new language learning language model. Is that what they call it, LLM? Um, it is their new version of artificial intelligence, and it is, um, you know, to an extent compared to ChatGPT. Um, and I'd love to get your thoughts on that. First of all, how big of a news is this? Do you guys think it's a big news? Do you think it's important? What are your thoughts? I felt like it came out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I was supposed to be anticipating this or not, but I definitely feel like. Uh, Google just all of a sudden was like, hey, here's a December update. Here's a pixel feature drop. Here's a bunch of AI stuff. They were just like waiting until the end of the year to just drop all the bombs on us. And here they are because we got a bunch of stuff yesterday. Gosh. Yeah, especially with like, you know, reports that it was going to be delayed until like what, January or maybe even February. This kind of was surprising, but I think in a good way. Like this, I feel like this, I don't know. I'm excited about this for some reason. Definitely. And I, I almost wonder if um, all the open AI uh, drama kind of caused them to go, hey, maybe we can talk about this early and, you know, get get this back in the spotlight. And <laughs> totally. I want to just um, be a little bit clear because right now it is available. Gemini, uh, you know, is available um, specifically on the Pixel 8 Pro, which we'll talk about that in a second, but it is only going to be available through the recorder app and then rolling out um, smart reply on Gboard starting with WhatsApp. So um, it it's still kind of really early days. It's still really slow. And I think that's what I kind of want to talk about with you guys first before we kind of go a little bit more in depth with, you know, the fact that it's only being launched on the Pixel 8 Pro first, and then, you know, eventually is going to go into other Android devices. But what I think is interesting, and I think a lot of people have been talking about and questioning Google for a while is just the 
rate or rather pace at which Google is announcing these kind of AI developments, you would think that for a company like Google, they would release things a lot faster. Um, but I, I think that they're being smart about being slow about this rollout and the pace at which they're going at. Uh, and I, I, I wonder what you guys think about that. Do you think that that they're being smart about the pace at which they're going at? I, I think going at this pace is a lot more important for something like AI. Um, and it's a lot more important for their core, you know, search business. Mm-hmm. So taking the more, I guess, should, should we call this the Apple approach? <laughs> I hate to do that, but <laughs> I kind of feel like this is the opposite of what they do with Android, where Android is is very often, we're going to throw a whole bunch of new features out there. I mean, look look at how many times you talk about, oh, well, Android had this feature 10 years before the iPhone or whatever, but it didn't doesn't work or never worked as well as it does now that Apple did it kind of thing, right? This this kind of feels that way with the AI stuff where there was a lot, and for the past two years, there have been a lot of huge AI advancements. You had earlier this year, or maybe late last year when um, ChatGPT sort of started taking over everything and then, you know, Bing was wrapped up into that as well. I think it's interesting though that people are giving Google so much flack for this when they don't realize that this is literally Google's bread and butter right yeah, like this silly. this is truly their like if they make a mistake in this it could affect their business so much and i find it interesting that people don't realize that and i wonder why they don't realize that i don't know either and i, I really i think this is important for google to get right because i have seen a number of times this year where people have said i've lost my faith in google because of you know xyz they pick whatever thing that mattered to them that Google screwed up or canceled or whatever, right? This, especially if it's going to be part of the core search experience, which, you know, worldwide, people Google things. They don't search for things. There's a reason that's the verbiage. So it is incredibly important for them to get this right before they roll it into things. Um, And I know I wanted to talk about that Mark Rober video uh, once we get there, I, I think in a little bit in this conversation, but that, no, that why don't you, why don't of, you go for it? Go for right. it. Why don't you start talking so, about it? So, um, Mark Rober partnered up with Google and they released a video, um, about Bard and Gemini. It's like a six minute video. I think it's on Google's YouTube channel. Uh, basically he asked Bard to help him build, uh, the most accurate paper airplane, I think is what, what the query was or something. Right. And so it's a cute little video. It's typical Mark Rober style. Um, he builds this, you know, crazy huge airplane and shoots it through a ring of fire. Like it's, it's really extra. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, and I know watching it, I was like, what is new here? Because he was just talking about Bard and searching with his voice and using like a Pixelate Pro. Like it, it didn't seem like new things to me on the surface, but I think what we're supposed to gather from this video is that now that Gemini is powering the the Bard Advanced Experience, I believe they call it. Um, we're getting uh, better qu- results for queries, um, more natural uh, language responses. Like you can ask it really arbitrary things. There was there was one segment in the video where he's talking to Bard on the Pixel, asking it a question, and I'm like, this feels like it's. It's just for the video. <laughs> He's not actually asking it this. And I would love to kind of do my own 
queries and see like, will it give me similar results to what he got? Or is this mainly like, oh, well, I asked a question and we finagled it to make the video look good, you know? Well, I will say the whole, because what he does is, because he's building these paper airplanes, he get he like makes two paper airplanes and then takes a picture of them and then uploads like to Bard and is like, which of these is like, is the more accurate paper airplane. Right. And I thought that was really cool um, just to like, Upload a photo and be like, all right, look at this photo and tell me something about this photo to help me. Yeah, it's it's like the the next generation of Google Lens, which I think, you know, when what, it used to be called Google Goggles. That's what it was. I don't remember that's, when that launched. That's such an awful name. Oh, nah, my God. Whatever. I mean, this is the super early, like, Jesus. you know, alpha <laughs> version of this. And I remember that blowing my mind. I don't even, like I said, many years ago is when that launched. It's now Lens. It's built into a lot of stuff. Um, and that particular example I thought was impressive too, because, you know, like you said, not only did he upload that picture, have Bard analyze it, but then it was like, oh, hey, the one on the right is the Concord. I can't remember which direction it was. I'll just say right. One on the right is the Concord. It's going to be the most accurate because, you know, a bunch of specs or whatever here. <laughs> like it was, it was interesting to see how we've moved from lens, which you take a picture of a water bottle and it'd be like, here's some shopping results of water bottles that we think look kind of similar. Maybe it's the one you want, right? Like I've I've had more luck with taking pictures of wildflowers or insects and putting it in lens and being like, oh, this is what this thing is. It, but it doesn't necessarily give you an intelligent response. It's typically a web link of some kind, right? Or a, an image search and then you find something. You're the one that is really finding it through the results, but this seems like it's just giving you what you're looking for. You don't have to filter it yourself. It also seems so much faster in the in just in the way that you're speaking and interacting with it. Like, you know, when I just like for example, when I when I'm cooking and I'm like, hey Google, please let nothing go off right now, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're good. We're good. Um, oh. And it went off. <laughs> and I go, you know, can you set the timer for 40 minutes or whatever? It takes a minute for Google to process what I have asked it to do, and then it will set the timer. Whereas I feel like with this new advancement with Gemini and just even with Bard in general, which unfortunately, can you believe that Bard is still not available in Canada? I am baffled by that, but that's a whole other topic. I don't want to talk about it. Um, but it just, the way that the the video was presented and just the way that it's being handled, it almost seems so natural. Like you're having a very much of a natural conversation with someone and it just responds to you really quickly and it processes really quickly. And it's super interesting. I think it, I think it's very fascinating. You know, what's actually interesting about that is, um, when I'm walking around the house doing smart home commands, particularly when I'm in the basement, uh, like on the far side, and I don't have a speaker near me, I like using my watch, not just because it's probably the only way to turn on the light, but it's actually way faster than any of the, you know, the Nest Hubs or home speakers that I have litter around the house. Like it, I will ask my watch to turn a light on and the light will turn on within maybe half a second. Like it's a really fast response time. And I'm, I'm wondering if... This can continue doing that for more difficult queries than just turning a light on or off. I think my thought on this is just when it, going back to the whole 
how people feel about Google waiting on things or doing this now. It's just this is the equivalent of, you know, Bard was compared against Chat GPT 3.5. Now Gemini is kind of the, the GPT 4 version that's enhanced and is, you know, has grown in many ways to give you better responses and everything else. And I think the difference between OpenAI and Google is that OpenAI is the kind of new company where people do the, to put it in gaming terms, the, the early access model. People are okay with being part of the experiment. But with Google, when Bard came out and it wasn't a high quality because it was rushed out to say, we're still, we're doing this, people had a problem with it because it's Google and they expect something more and it's attached to search, which is something everyone uses every day. It's, there is no experimentation or leeway given to that. So, so Gemini needed to be done to say, you know, see, we're, we're, we're fixing the problems people have with Bard. It's a, it's a, it's the same thing. It's part of Bard, but it's a rebranding and people are going to be talking about Gemini in a new way than they did about Bard. So, you know, I think it's smart to be doing this now, even though Google doesn't usually release things this time of year to say, Hey, we're, we're getting this out. We're, we're just as exciting yeah. as open AI. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, honestly, the, I, I want to talk about the next news article that we wrote that was coinciding with this announcement, focusing on Gemini Nano, which is what would be brought to um, phones, devices, essentially. Uh, and Gemini Nano is essentially going to start out with the Pixel 8. But, you know, coincidingly, Google just decided to drop the bomb and also release its December feature drop, which is like, <laughs> like we got this like press kit, which had like, 14 pages and then just at the very end it's just like oh and here's here's the pixel drop feature drop that we're announcing as well and it's just like what the heck so basically like i mentioned google google's gemini nano makes its way to pixel 8 pro with summarize in recorder and smart replay in gboard um, Google is releasing uh, the December 2023 feature drop to Pixel devices with new features like video boost and other camera updates. Nick, I would love you to talk about this in a second. And then Pixel Watch owners can now unlock their Pixel smartphones using the smartwatch. So, okay, first let's start off with this, this the fact that Gemini Nano is only available or is going to be only be made available to Pixel 8 Pro phones. Um, because I remember when I mentioned this to you guys, uh, a lot of you were pretty kind of like, shocked, <laughs> like kind of irritated, annoyed, like what? It, why is Google just making it so that only the pro version of the phone gets these features? But I wonder, at least the way I kind of think about it is they're streamlining their um, the availability, not because they're trying to make it limited to pro users, but I think they want to like perfect it with that phone first and then trickle it down at least that's how i'm perceiving it as but i don't know what do you what do you guys think? i i guess like i can see that where they're like all right let's do like a limited release on the pixel 8 pro until we perfect it and then release it everywhere else what i'm just confused about and it's not even just limited to this it's like the, a lot of the other features like the launch features um when they announced the pixel 8 and pixel 8 pro a lot of these features were only available on the pro um and not on the Pixel 8. And we've seen that they can work on the Pixel 8, like the manual photo mode, for example. Um, we've seen someone put that on the Pixel 8 and it works just fine. And on other Pixel phones too. So I don't know, I guess I'm just kind of annoyed that like they couldn't at least put this 
also on the regular Pixel 8. And, you know, in addition to the Pixel 8 Pro, and I don't know, it just seems like Google's kind of arbitrarily picking and choosing which features to bring to the regular Pixel 8, even though from what I can tell, they have the same hardware, uh, like much of the same hardware, like the same chipset, like there's no real difference there. So it's just weird to me. And I think Google's, I feel like Google's really just doing this to try to differentiate the pro phone more, but it just seems... Well, I mean, it's going to be coming to other phones later, so yeah, I don't know how yeah. much of a but I mean, differentiator like, even just, it is, right? Yeah, but even just like this limited release, like of them, like just limiting it to the Pixel 8 Pro and not also the Pixel 8, right. kind of... It's very strange. Yeah, it, it's still very strange that they're like still really separating these two phones, even though they're very much the same phone almost. Yeah, I mean, they have the same processor. I don't... I, I could see them doing this where it's like, oh, it'll be coming to the Pixel Fold and the Pixel 7 that run, you know, last year's Tensor. But separating out the Pixel 8 Pro like this is re really, really weird. And like you said, they did this with a lot of features they announced for launch, which are now also available, like Video Boost and Night Sight Video and stuff like that. Um, and it it just it feels really arbitrary. I, I think for the video features, it might make a little more sense only because the larger form factor of the 8 Pro versus the 8 uh, could mean that it cools better, right? I don't I don't know that that's necessarily been shown, but theoretically, right, the vapor chamber or whatever else Google is using in there is probably larger in the 8 Pro. So for uh, really heavily AI processed video, that would come into play, right? That would be a huge deal and would probably not work as well on the smaller eight. But something like this, I I don't know. <laughs> would you guys would you guys have felt differently if the Pixel 8 had a different processor and was yes. far cheaper than the Pixel 8 Pro? Yes. I, I think there's probably a logical and a marketing reason for this. The logical is maybe just they've been testing this on a Pixel 8 Pro and they just, that, that's just what they've been using. And so that's the one they're sure it works on. I know maybe with that specific amount of RAM. The marketing reason is I just think tech people, the people they want to try this love exclusivity and they're basically implying you need a pro level phone to use this Gemini tech because that's how advanced it is. But I think that's that's I think that's the whole point is that it's comical that they're doing that considering that the Pixel 8 has the same processing power unit whatever compared to the Pixel 8 Pro. It's like you your argument kind of fails Google by thinking that you're going to create exclusivity on a device when the other device has the same capabilities like it just don't the higher end iphones do the same thing with some of the camera features like there's just these arbitrary restrictions like oh you can't do you can't do raw stuff on the lower end ones because yeah reasons. i mean like last year when they announced dynamic island like they didn't have it on the regular phone model they ha they only had it on the pro model so only the 14 pro had it and then the 14 didn't but then they the year after so the 15 series both the pro and the regular model have dynamic island so but yeah with apple they 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 both now they're using a different chip in the in the regular ones now like they're using the last gen chip right so that that's not even the same as google there yeah i mean if if it's just hardware stuff whatever i can respect differences because of hardware but when it's arbitrary software things like this i i have a really hard time justifying any of it 
Okay, let's talk about some of these pixel feature drops and let's do it quick because I do want to talk about some other really fun, interesting articles that have happened this past week. Um, What do you guys think of this? mm, Let's just drop everything. Let you guys check out the features. (laughs) Are you guys happy with these features? What do you think? I I will say that um, I over I think over the summer I played with my friends Pixel Fold and it was my first time like playing with one and I was actually thoroughly surprised to learn that it did not let you preview photos when you're taking a photo of someone. Like it wouldn't use the outside screen, so whoever you're taking a photo of could not preview could not preview the photo. That's something that the Motorola Razor can do. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so it was just strange to me to learn that the Pixel could not do this and. So I'm I'm happy that it's now here that Google is now uh, like making this a thing with this feature drop. I'm just like I don't know. It's things like that where I'm like It's almost as it almost it's almost as if Google was was purposefully shoddy and like kind of was lazy when they initially designed something and then they're like, "Oh, we should include this feature kind of thing yeah exactly and and it, like it's things like this that make me really wait question first uh nick on the z fold 5 can you do that yes yeah so it's things like this that make me it, it, it's why i prefer one ui because i feel like samsung really like there are small things such as this is a bigger thing, but there are just small things about one UI that I feel like Samsung is actually thought through um, where Google just, it just seems kind of a little backwards. Like Google isn't really thinking it's software fully like thoroughly. And, and this is one of those features where I'm like, Google, come on. Like, what are you doing? This is a really interesting thought process that you're having Derek, because I think it was last year when, yeah, last year when they announced the Pixel Watch, I think we collectively felt like Google finally figured out its range of devices. Like it almost felt like, okay, Google finally has like the suite of devices that make everything look cohesive. Everything looks lovely. It's all beautifully coordinated. And then it's like, they they did that and then instead of moving upwards and improving and getting even better it's almost like they became lazy and i don't know what that what where that's coming from like it's it's so interesting for you I to think point with that out some of this stuff like um this dual screen preview thing right that just feels like an oversight i don't I don't know that there was any other plan there other than, well, we, we either didn't have time to implement this or we forgot about it or something like that, right? Like this this doesn't feel like it's an intentional feature addition, right? Right. But like if Motorola could figure it out, I mean, come yeah. on, Google. <laughs> come on. I, I know. But what, what, I'm, what I'm getting to is while things like this seem like they're fixing mistakes they made, some of these other feature additions and stuff feel like they've taken their time to make it feel like a pixel feature rather than Samsung tends to add everything in the kitchen sink in, which is fine. I respect that. And I actually really like that because there's a something for everyone approach, right? Like even, even if you're a power user, you download GoodLock and you can do basically anything you want with your phone, right? Like Samsung phones are nuts. 
But Google's Pixel line has always been about this is the Pixel experience. And so if they're going to keep along that line, they have to really take their time with these features and make sure they're not like you don't have to tweak them, right? That's a very much of an Apple mentality. Absolutely. That's what the Pixel that's is anyway. very right? much of an <laughs> Apple mentality. Because that's what they say, right? Like, this is the Apple experience. Like, that's literally what Google does. This is the Pixel experience. Yeah, it's like, the quote-unquote stock slash pure Android experience, I guess. Something like that. I just I do think it's funny, speaking of things that came to other devices first, you know, the, the watch unlock feature coming to Wear OS 4, Pixel Watch 2 now, because that, that happened for One UI Watch in September, and Google enabled it through Wear OS 4 for any watch to use, but then they themselves needed until December to make it work with the Pixel Watch and Pixel phones. I'm not sure why it took an extra three months. And why? That's another, that's another like mistake thing, right? I'm like, this just feels like somebody forgot to do their job. <laughs> Or something. I they know, forgot really to weird. like press the enter button, like or something. Like, oh crap! We forgot to put Pixel Watch on the end of that list. Yeah. Ah, quick copy paste, so no one notices. <laughs> but I mean, hey, like the UK is getting direct my call and hold for me, which is nice, I guess. Um, you know, and uh, you know, just like other like th- there's you know, Google kind of trickled some other like features, like clear calling on the Pixel tablet. Um, which I don't, do people make calls on the pixel tablet? You know, it's funny because I saw that and I was like, clear calling for a pixel. It it must be for, uh, it's not calls. What do we call it? Google meet? Google meet. Yeah. It's for stuff like that. (laughs) Right. They, they got rid of calling on nest hub. Right. But then now they're making it clear on the pixel tablet. So, and then eventually they'll get rid of that. I don't know. I, I shake my head at Google sometimes. Yeah, that's that's that goes back to the whole Gemini conversation earlier, right? And I mean, you know, they have, you know, your Pixel can now be used as a webcam, which is cool. Although, you know, it's something that Motorola has had already, so you know, just saying. Way better. Google, like you usually talk about Apple, like, oh, Apple, you invented this thing, but you know, Android's done it for years, but now Google is the one kind of being talked about that way. I know, and I'm like, I'm, I'm over here praising Motorola, like they're the best. Um. <laughs> okay, let's let's move on. Let's move on. We all have our opinions on which company we like. We know what you like, Derek. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> Go LG. Bring LG back. <laughs> okay, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. Indeed's streamlined hiring with powerful tools that find you matched candidates. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed data from the U.S., One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search according to US's Indeed data. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash ACP. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash ACP. 
Indeed.com slash ACP. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, uh, I want to talk about another news article that came out (laughs) the day yesterday, actually. Uh, So the EU leans against forcing Apple to make iMessage cross-platform, a report says. So essentially, the European Union is considering whether to make iMessage a core platform service under the Digital Markets Act. If iMessage becomes a core platform service, Apple would have to make it available on third-party devices. According to a Bloomberg report, the EU is leaning against issuing the designation because iMessage isn't popular enough for businesses, which is kind of funny. Uh, you know, no, it is. It is kind of funny because you know that you know that the more popular messaging app is WhatsApp. Let's be real. I think iMessage is is only really popular in North America, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, WhatsApp is, has a huge like business. Thing going on like they, they a whole oh yeah for small oh, yeah. businesses absolutely oh, yeah. it's massive it's massive Huge. but i i do find this report interesting so essentially the eu has uh is going to make a final decision in february uh and i, I guess they're going to be doing a lot of research into it but the the funny thing is and i want to point this out this report comes less than a month after google wrote a letter to the eu arguing that it should make iMessage cross-platform. And since then, Apple has actually announced that it is going to be um, bringing RCS messaging support to iPhones later next year at some point. But it also comes a day after software development company Beeper managed to reverse engineer iMessage um, and released Beeper Mini, and uh, which is now available on any Android device. Um, and they can register iMessage directly on Apple services. So I think it's interesting how we're having this kind of conversation. We we were talking about this in our group earlier about, well, how how important really is iMessage to people? And also, like, if Apple is bringing RCS to iMessage, like, will people continue to use iMessage? Or will that stigma around blue bubbles and green, green bubbles not ever leave? Um, I don't know. What do you guys think of this report? Do you think it's noteworthy interesting i think the timing of this is amazing given all of the iMessage stuff recently right we had the stuff with nothing uh Mm -hmm. two weeks ago i don't even remember at this point recently um and then of course beeper mini yesterday which it's incredible i can't believe how well it works i still don't have an apple account i'm using iMessage it's great that's amazing that's (laughs) That's really cool um but i i do kind of wonder about this whole green bubble versus blue bubble thing. I know it's it's like a joke in the US. It's it's sort of a weird cultural thing, right? But I also wonder how much people actually care. I think I think I think a lot of people care in North America, but I think it's mostly a younger generation. Like maybe people younger than me. I'm 34. Um I think people younger than me probably have that sentiment. They have this whole complex around iPhones and being that if you have an iPhone, you're a part of the cool kids club versus if you have an Android device, you're not. Um, But I don't necessarily think that it's that much of a thing outside of the US and Canada. Like, I really don't think it is. No, no, definitely not. And that's what I was going to say about this was, you know, 
this this couples with the RCS conversation. Like once RCS comes to iMessage and we now have it's not feature parity, but way closer than, you know, the disparity that, you know, iMessage and SMS is right now, okay? Once we get to the point where there are read receipts, there are reactions, there are, you know, high quality photos and videos, group messaging works properly, like a lot of the things that RCS fixes as an industry standard, once those are part of iMessage, will people still in the US, will people still care about the bubble color as much? But will, when RCS comes, did they confirm this? When RCS comes, will it turn on automatically or do you yes. have to, okay. You, you won't have to do anything. It'll, it'll be just like how iMessage works now where it automatically routes to the best available protocol. So will they just like delete iMessage? Like what's what will what will the purpose of iMessage be once RCS comes? iMessage will still be more full featured. Like there's no way to edit an RCS message when you send it. Maybe oh, they'll okay. maybe they'll make that, I don't know. Mm. But there are still going to be you know sort of inherent advantages to having your their own proprietary messaging um backend versus this industry standard. And I really I kind of hope that part of Apple getting into RCS means that features like editing will be available. And I know Google has worked to improve RCS a lot since it started using it several years back. Like, I was just messaging Derek yesterday, the day before, testing out the new... Oh, he was so excited. Oh, was, they're, they're, <laughs> the, the new animations are he so He was so cute. excited. They're just really great. I think it was yesterday, yeah. Um yeah, like now when you select those, like, I don't know, I think it's six emojis that pop up when you long press a message. If you select any one of those, it it does like a really nice animation on the message. And I think that's something iMessage has done for a while. Um, and there's a lot of things like that. I don't know if those will carry over. Some of that stuff is proprietary Google. I'm just, I'm really curious to see what part of this stigma goes away, if any, in the U.S. Because as the EU proved... Nobody gives a crap outside of this country. I think there are just a few things like when there's a big group chat with iOS and Android folks in it and, you know, you get the someone loved text, which I think happens with because of the confusion <laughs> with RCS where it's not actually over the text. It's just its own text saying, I loved this. When stuff like that goes away, I think that will certainly help. There may still be stigmas against green bubbles or whatever but the messaging will not be as annoying which will probably cause change over time and i think that's probably why apple can easily argue against forcing iMessage to be cross-platform because when rcs works with it there's really no there's nothing with iMessage that is done that is so compelling that it needs to be forced to be on android so why force the issue if no one in europe cares about it and in the US you know you can maybe just use beeper instead if you really care um i mean this whole thing i, I don't know my first thought is like and I, and I don't know how or if they're tackling this at all but it still it, it reminds me of the fact that we still have all these other messaging apps that don't seem to work together we have uh signal whatsapp Telegram. I can't message someone from Telegram on Signal. Like, there, there's still this, all these different apps that just are just their own thing. Um, so it, it just, it's kind of just weird that this is uh, the 
making such a big deal out of it. So if I think about this at a, as a base problem, right? If you go back 20 years and you think about the telephone that was in your kitchen, right? That used a single standard. You could call anywhere in the world. You were never wondering if the person on the other end used the wrong kind of phone, right? You just called the number and it worked. And I think there is an expectation that basic communication, which is phone calls, messaging, anything like that, should always work across these platforms. So I I understand that side of the conversation. But then you also get into, you know, like what is intellectual property? How do we decide what messaging app is the one that becomes the standard? Like I this is this is I don't want to go too deep into this conversation because we could talk for hours, but it really is an interesting conversation if you just go back 20 years and think about the things we took for granted and the, the stupid issues we deal with now. It's not even about the things we took for granted. It's just that I think we're just given way too many options now. I mean, (laughs) it's not even just with messaging services. It's with streaming services, music or video. It's with, you know, payment methods, um, whether you're doing Apple Pay or Google Pay or PayPal, like there's just too many options. Samsung Pay, right. like it's, there's it's just like we forgot how to make standards. Is, exactly, is what it feels like it's there's too many options, and I think that's what's kind of frustrating for a lot of people. But like with so many things, like I don't know about you guys, but I used to be an avid uh, MySpace user. I stopped using that years ago. Now then I switched over to Facebook, and I stopped using Facebook years ago. And now I'm like slowly stopping to use Instagram. Like I, I feel like people are starting like it, obviously as you get older, like you start to rethink your relationship to things and stuff. And I just think I hope that that stigma goes away because I think it's a really stupid stigma. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Right. Mm, we could talk about it forever. But I want to talk about. Our next topic, which is um, something that I think Michael will have a lot of opinions about because he wrote it. It's called the latest Garmin Forerunner update is a boon to sleepy, stressed runners. So essentially, the Garmin Forerunner 965, 955, 265 and 255 have all received software updates or software update 17.24 as of November 30th. The update adds features including uh I can't speak, guys. Wow. The, the update it's, it's okay. adds... It's okay. This makes me feel like I'm in math class right the now, update, so <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the, Take over, Michael. Hang on. <laughs> the update adds features. The update adds features introduced by the Venue 3, like nap tracking, enhanced body battery, improved UI tricks, and new activities. The public beta of this update launched on October 30th. So, Michael, would you like to take it away and talk to us about sure. this? Sure. So... I'm actually going to briefly mention another article I wrote just yesterday that ties into this. So essentially last week, the Forerunners, which are all of Garmin's running and cycling focused watches, got a bunch of tricks from the Venue 3. And then this week, the Venue 3 got a bunch of tricks from the Forerunners, among other things. And with that, like the, the, the Venue got um, wrist-based running dynamics, which basically means it analyzes your running form and tells you if you're running well and other things like that. And the interesting thing here to me is that Garmin has to, unlike all these other companies that just sell one or two watches a year, 
it has to differentiate all these different kinds of watches. And it gets back into that whole discussion about artificially deciding what devices get what thing. Because people who like the venue watches for things like the, the mic and speaker and the pretty display and everything else have said how annoyed they are that they don't get certain running features that the forerunners do, even though it feels like the chip inside should be able to. And so this sort of update where they're bringing things from other devices to each other, it's a good thing because it leads to less artificial differentiation. People are getting all the tools they want, but it also brings up the question of, okay, so why are these devices even different? Why can't Garmin just sell one of these that has everything all at once? And so that's the interesting discussion with Garmin because Garmin is better than most companies at updating their devices years later with new tech. And then the more it adds, the more it brings this question of why does it sell the Venue and the Forerunner and the Vivo Active and so many different watches. Wait, is it Vivo? I, I don't know, Derek. I don't know how to pronounce these. I didn't even know it was Venue. I thought it was Venue. I remember that. And now I'm like, wait, Vivo am I saying Vivo? Is that what it is? I say Vivo. I thought it was Vivo. That's what I always said. Yeah, I thought it was Vivo. Vivo Active. Who cares? You know what? T tomato, tomato, keep doing them. Yeah, you say tomato, keep, I keep say going. potato. Who cares? Well, I, I mean, I think this is a really interesting thing. And I think it will be really beneficial to runners. Um... Do we think that this is a, the? Do we think that this is the kind of feature that mm, all smartwatches should have and should be available to everyone, or limited to specific devices? Garmin just generally is just bringing more and more features to devices, knowing that people are going to be using them for years and saying. We want you to keep using them for a long time because you paid a lot of money for it. And then we know you'll come back to us because you can't escape our ecosystem. No other company's doing what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. So they are not afraid to keep devices going. And because even if that means that people maybe won't buy the next watch, it's okay because they'll buy the one after that. Um, so there's some... I, I wish more companies handled things that way rather than artificially preventing, wa like keeping watches a certain way. I, I wrote an article about this, that a lot of fitness watches, they get what they get at the start and then maybe they get one update and then they're done and then you have to buy the next one. Um, I am, I'm, I'm curious to know your opinion on this, um, Michael. Why, and I could be wrong in making this statement, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but it almost kind of seems like a Galaxy Watch a Pixel Watch, an Apple Watch, seem far more popular and more in demand than a Garmin watch because I feel like more people associate Garmin for like a professional user slash it's meant for running. But when you talk about these features, they seem so advanced and so like health driven that I feel like is better than a Galaxy Watch, a Pixel Watch, an Apple Watch. So I'm wondering why Garmin hasn't changed its way of, um, what's the word, marketing itself to be better than all of these other watches? Well, I think 
I would love a watch that did what Garmin did and also had more smarts. But the problem there is that there isn't going to be much of a market for it because the people who buy Garmin care more about getting a two-week battery life than they do about getting those smarts. They know they can switch to another watch if they want those things, and they do. Some do leave Garmin behind, but the but if Garmin made a Wear OS watch that only lasted a day, I don't know if it would sell with Garmin fans or with regular fans who would just say, okay, but I just prefer the brands I already have. And they don't really have the expertise to market themselves or to go into the smart area. And so they, they just know that they can't speak to people who care about the things that Apple offers or Samsung offers or Google offers. The closest example is, you know, Google with the Pixel Watch 2 because, you know, Fitbit offers at least some of the training stuff that Garmin does. Um, but with that, Gar uh, Google had to spend billions of dollars to get Fitbit. They already had their own expertise in smarts. It's pretty rare to get both and to try to target both. So. I wanted to just briefly provide my own anecdotal evidence of this stuff, right? Um, if I think about people at my gym, and I'm I'm a weirdo who always looks at what phone you're using and what watch you're wearing. I, I, I thought just, I was the only one who did that. Oh my I gosh, do, I, do I do it do all the too. time because I just, I like <laughs> to keep the, the metrics in my head. It's interesting, <laughs> if for no other reason than for this job. And right? any time I see a foldable, I'm like, oh my God, they're using yes. a foldable? What? Yeah, I, I like... <laughs> I don't write it down, but I definitely keep track in my head of, of the number I see. Like, okay, at my gym, nobody but me has a Pixel watch. Okay, I'm the only one. Um, there are several people who have Galaxy watches. I couldn't necessarily give you the model because they all look too similar. Um, there are probably more people than any that have an Apple watch. Um, I, I would say it's a very slight majority, though. And there are a lot of people who use Garmin watches, you know, it, and a lot of iPhone users use Garmin watches. Um, I, I feel like I tend to see somebody with an iPhone with a Garmin watch almost more often than an iPhone and an Apple watch at the gym. And I don't know if that's just my gym. It's my gym, too. Like, I, I noticed pretty much the same thing at my gym. Um, and it is funny when I was reviewing, I think it was the Scoggin Falster Gen 6. Uh, an Apple Watch, <laughs> someone wearing an Apple Watch came up to me and was like, that's a really cool smartwatch. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> let me tell you all about this watch. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, um, and, and like, and, and I am, you know, I, I'm not like the kind of person to like try to convert people, but like one, one gym go, one person at my gym did just switch from an iPhone to a, a Flip 5, a C Flip 5. So I've been like, teaching him the ropes and I recently went up to him and was like well now you need to get a galaxy watch honestly anytime someone does that like if someone comes to me because I get this often they'll be like oh which phone should I get should I should I get this one or this one I'm like dude can you just go to android central like stop bothering me I don't want to <laughs> yeah, help and you I, I told him I was like hey <laughs> like, you know you just got this flip five by the way I write for android central so check out my articles and he did and he's like yeah it taught me a lot how like how to use this phone I'm not trying to be rude like I'm just 
I, I just like, just go to our website. <laughs> there are people who explain things way better than me. It's, it really is a very nuanced conversation because it's not just like, oh, well, pick, pick this one. It's the best. Peace out. Like, yeah, you got to be like, all right, well, what do you care about? Do you want this feature? Does it mean a lot to you? Okay. Then this one watch is the, you know, like it's the same thing with phones. It's like, you got to pick and choose what you want. And there's a, choice for that (laughs) i guess it's just interesting to see the dynamic of people and the way people talk about a garmin watch versus like a a pixel or a pixel watch or a apple watch or um a galaxy watch i just i just i I find it intriguing like yeah i I feel like garmin is not the sexy option it's the one that makes sense (laughs) yeah yeah right and i mean i think that's why they have the forerunner uh um series because it's four runners which i i met someone the other day who was wearing a garmin Wait, watch is that, why and they I call, made... is that why they named it that yeah i'm sure it's at the forefront for runners yeah it's... oh my god <laughs> yeah, I, no yeah i i told I, I i met someone and i was like yeah uh garmin has all these watches but like you know i'm, I'm not a runner and these watches are four runners and i in my head i was just like i was like that was the most clever joke i've ever told in my life <laughs> But yeah, well oh done, God. Derek. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Nick makes a really good point. Um, I had kind of not thought about that. But yeah, Garmin watches have a few smarts that only work for Android because Apple doesn't let them work. Like you can't, you can only get photos in your notifications with an Android phone, not an iPhone, because that's reserved for Apple Watch. And you can't do text replies or quick replies unless you have an Android. So because Garmin has to cater to Apple users, it can't really go the smarts route because the only way to do that is to go Wear OS or do something that would only really benefit half of its users or maybe even less than half. Well, I look forward to hearing more about the features that Garmin comes out with and any more of its clever names because actually Forerunner, well, that's actually so smart. <laughs> so what, so what, what does venue mean then? <laughs> okay. And <Again> with that. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. If your business earns millions or tens of millions of revenue, stop what you're doing and take a listen because NetSuite by Oracle has just rolled out the best offer we've seen. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control you need to make better decisions faster. And for the first time in NetSuite's 25 years as the number one cloud financial system, you can defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. That's no payment and no interest for six months, and you can take advantage of this special financing offer today. NetSuite is number one because they give your business everything you need in real time, all in one place to reduce manual processes, boost efficiency, build forecasts, and increase productivity across every department. Over 36,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite, gaining visibility and control over their financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. If you've been sizing NetSuite up to make the switch, then you know this deal is unprecedented. No interest, no payments. Take advantage of the special financing offer at netsuite.com android. netsuite.com android to get the visibility and control you need to weather any storm. netsuite.com android. 
Okay, um, I want to speed through these last two articles, guys. So, the first is Samsung foldables continue to dominate, but other Android OEMs are eating away at its share. Foldable phones reach a record shipments in Q3 2023, according to display supply chain consultants. Uh, Samsung held the majority share with the top selling foldable phones being the Galaxy Z Flip 5 and Z Flip Fold 5. Samsung's share is expected to fall significantly as Android OEMs such as Huawei and Honor gain market share, which is very interesting because who is still buying a Huawei phone? That being said, I'm that's actually that that makes me really excited to hear because it's so evident. And I, I feel like we've been having this conversation um, for almost the majority of this year that, you know, there's just so many amazing phones coming out of different manufacturers, especially China, Chinese manufacturers, um, you know, with with their foldables that are coming out. Xiaomi is doing a really great job. Motorola, I mean, come on, we've talked uh, like a plethora of times of how Motorola has done such a an exceptional job this year um, with its phones and rebranding itself almost. But I am, I would love to hear what you guys think. Like, do you guys... You know, I think it's going to be really hard to really like knock Samsung down because really they are the biggest Android manufacturer um, in the world. But it is it is a little bit encouraging to see that there are other brands that are starting to make strides. And I think that that's really nice to see. I really wish this graph didn't use so many similar blue colors because it's really hard to read. Yeah, I agree. Is it? I, I was a little bit. It is. It's, it's, very it's a little bit. In, in any case. The big red line is the Samsung one, so that's the easiest one to see. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I'm very happy with this. And I think it's interesting to look at the red line over time, which is what I'm mainly going to concentrate on, because it, it really does go up and down and up and down, right? Um, but, you know, looking at the 2023 numbers versus 2022, it's generally sitting lower on that graph, Wait, you know, okay, so question. Q2, end of Q2 is when they launched the Z lineup, right? Right. So it's... So Q2 going into Q3, which is where we see the spike. Right. Well, interestingly, it was it was Q3 because the, the Z Flip 5 and Z Fold 5 launched in July. But July is considered end of Q2, though. No. July's beginning of Q3. I would I would imagine the spikes coincide with the models, even if it's not at the launch, it's after. The oh launch. yeah, no, I I I concur. I you know, and I, it's just interesting to see like these phones doing so well already, even though they launched like, you know, well into the quarter already. Not like not that the halfway, and they weren't even available until the middle of the quarter. Right, but I I think I think what's also interesting, looking at twenty three, okay. Q2 was the lowest on this particular graph. It's the lowest point it's been at. And then Q4 is almost as low as Q2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is also lower than Q2 of last year. Yeah. So it's like Samsung's lowest periods are now two lower than last year's. I don't know. It's just, it's interesting seeing that graph. And there wasn't the drop off between Q3 and Q4 last year like we see with this year. This year's a huge drop off. I'm very curious about this chart because you can like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the blue lines are really like bothering me that they use so many different blues. But I, I do wanna talk about Huawei because who is buying a Huawei phone? I really wanna know that. I mean, I no hate to Huawei because they do make some incredible phones, but 
just with the ban in North America, um, I'm just curious, like, who's buying a Huawei phone? But also, the line that I find very intriguing is the Oppo phone, because I think that's also when they announced, was it the N, Find N3? Was that, is that the same time that we are seeing that spike? Um, Because it looks like that's when they did really well. But also, Motorola, you can also see, like, the slow trajectory of increase towards the end of, or in the middle of, 2023 which i think is also intriguing yeah like you were saying earlier though with huawei like the spike in huawei is definitely china i don't think anybody else is buying huawei phones outside of that and i I feel like the spike in honor is probably from europe because i feel like honor phones do really well in europe yeah um the report was also saying that the majority of foldables were sold in europe Mm -hmm. at least um was it the majority? I don't know. I think Did, yeah, your uh, European demand dominating, reaching seventy two percent. Here's for the quarter. Here's what I want to know for that: Does Europe require these manufacturers to cover their products better than the U.S. does? What do you mean? Like when the screen cracks? Oh, oh, uh, hmm. Is is that is that less of a concern in Europe because of consumer protections, and maybe that's why they're buying more foldables? There, there's also just the fact that aside from Samsung and Google, who do you buy a foldable phone from in North America? In Europe, there's so many more options and affordable ones like Techno. You know, I wrote about them before, like Transient, like the new brand that it, that came out of nowhere, like they're here, they're barely selling anything, but theirs, theirs is cheap. And then you got all these other options that, yeah, and I agree that probably protection has something to do with it because a lot of people aren't gonna buy a foldable if they think it's gonna break quickly and a lot of them have. And then, yeah, in North America, until Apple makes one, a lot of people will not buy a foldable. So it, it makes sense that it's in Europe. I'm really curious to know what that, <clears throat> Should Apple ever release a foldable device? I'm very intrigued to know how this chart is going to be skewed. But of course, this only inco- encapsulates Android devices. So, Right. And and this doesn't include OnePlus, which I thought was interesting. I yeah. guess maybe it, it launched too late. Maybe. That's strange. I'm surprised it didn't... Or is, are they part of Oppo? Well, they separate Oppo and Vivo, which yeah. are all, all BBK companies. So yeah. I don't think so. I think it's just that OnePlus launched too late. Well, OnePlus also, because OnePlus launched in October, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because October, I believe, is technically Q4, so it wouldn't really be included. Mm, yeah, there. makes sense. This this probably goes back to like why I was wondering some of these award shows are giving really old games or whatever game of the year awards and i'm like didn't didn't we just have like assassin's creed and stuff and the answer is well there's a cutoff date yeah th- exactly <laughs> right. and that's why a lot of a lot of <laughs> movies will try to um get release like they'll do their release dates before january like end of december because then they can meet the cutoff date for the academy awards and stuff like that right so anyways let's continue and talk about our last topic circling back to ai (laughs) circling back to ai slaving best for last exactly uh the article is titled mcdonald's taps google for ask pickles ai chatbot to help fix ice cream machines so basically mcdonald's announced a partnership with google cloud as it looks to bring its new collaborative ai chatbot ask pickles to its restaurants 
Pickles aims to reduce in-store disruptions, gather insight into equipment performance, and help employees provide better hospitality for customers. McDonald's's third quarter data shows more than 40% or $9 billion of its sales comes from its mobile app, kiosks, and deliveries. Honestly, this is like, this is, this is so great. <laughs> I think it's hilarious and genius. I love this. As, I love as it. A, as a big time McDonald's person, like I frequent McDonald's like no other. I'm a, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm like, this isn't like really something for me to get excited about, but I'm happy for McDonald's and I'm happy for Google because I <laughs> I'm think I'm happy for Google... McDonald's. <laughs> Well, it's just like I'm okay. I'm I'm just happy that AI is gonna fix McFlurries. Okay, that's all. Yeah, so, I was gonna uh, say there have been days when I go through that drive-through and I just want a McFlurry, and the lady goes, "Sorry, our machine's broken." Do you know how infuriating that is? And, and so yeah, this AI is is supposed to like provide manuals. Or- provide instructions on how to clean the ice cream machine and part of why it's always down is because it doesn't get cleaned properly oh, and so, but that's what that's gives nice. it nice knowledge if, to have that's what gives the yeah. of the mcflurry the, the cleanliness. we need that grime you need the grime <laughs> I, I just threw it in my um, mouth a little sorry <laughs> so so yeah i'm excited for mcdonald's and, and the customers because now hopefully we'll have you know ice cream and also, it's good for Google Cloud too because I believe Cloud has been like struggling with like profitability and like just revenue. I think so. I think that like having a partnership like this is great. Could be you know good for Google Cloud. Yeah, totally. Um, and just like the whole Ask Pickles is just <laughs> Pickles hilarious. Is such a great name. I love that. Honestly, <laughs> this is what I, you know, I get I get called to do interviews a lot about you know, chat GPT or like AI and like, how will it be disruptive? And I love, I think this is like the best, when we, when we look at the disruptions of AI, I feel like this is the best case scenario where a company is actually using it to help its employees. And like, we're not, we're not hearing about like, oh, there's going to be layoffs and this, it's not, it's not a, it's, it's about really enhancing their jobs, enhancing the ability to provide better customer service. Like I, I love that McDonald's did this and I want to use this as an example for people to realize that AI can be used for good, like telling us when a McFlurry machine is broken. I think the only <laughs> thing I hate about the stats on this is they say more than 40% comes from the mobile app kiosks and deliveries as if they didn't replace employees with kiosks in stores yeah so it's not like people have any other choice like yeah it's kind of a crappy statistic to use it is it is but i think other than that i'm pretty happy with this i think the plus side is that we love that we're we're seeing a good case scenario with ai being used and I don't know. I, I just think that that's like, it's nice to see, right? It's a good way to cap off the week with a fun little story about AI, not destroying the world in some way. <laughs> and making McDonald's a better place to eat at. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know what? If our AI overlords come and take over the world and give everybody a McFlurry, they might get a better response. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, on that note, I want to talk about the things that made you happy this last week. What 
made you happy or it could have been the past month because we haven't done a podcast in a month and i am okay if it's something that happened in the past month so you know what i'll go for this past month um the thing that made me really happy is i finally after years and years and years i finally bought a new computer <gasps> wow um i i was previously using the um the surface pro five i think from like 2017 and i like to edit videos but that computer's is just not made for editing videos and and i had at one point stepped on it and the, oh my the god side of the display was cracked <laughs> and like the the touch screen wouldn't work so i had to turn off the touch screen part of it and it was just a mess <laughs> a hot mess but i finally i bought for black friday and it was like kind of a birthday present to me anyways um I bought an Asus ZenBook 14 Pro, which is just, it's beautiful, has a beautiful OLED display, it has a little dial on the trackpad, it has an NVIDIA uh, GeForce 4060 uh, GPU, um, and it's just, it's just great, like, I love that I can now do basic tasks without my computer just freaking out on me, um, and, uh, and I can edit videos again, so I'm just super happy. Yay, that's awesome. Okay, who wants to go next? Mine is far more recent. Okay. It's from just this morning. Um, so uh, if you're not familiar with Fortnite, um, they just came out with a brand new update. That... I, I totally thought you were going to talk about something else. Nope, nope, nope. I'm going to save some other things for next week or whatever. But um, <laughs> this one, this one kind of caught me off guard because when they announced this update a few days ago, um, it was rumored that they were going to launch Lego Fortnite. And sure enough, you know, today it, it came out and it's uh, it's like a survival crafting game. It, it feels like a completely different game. It, it does not at all feel like Fortnite. Um, it's a it's a mode inside of this. Like basically Fortnite is like a Roblox shell these days where you have all these different game modes and worlds and stuff. And one of them is Lego Fortnite. And it feels like. Animal Crossing mixed with Valheim mixed with, I forgot, some other little things in there. But not only is it a really clever, like, survival crafting game, but you can actually build Lego things with your partners. So, like, me, my wife, and my son are playing this morning, and we go to build a log cabin in there, right? And the cabin is 26 steps, so sort of think of it like 26 different bags when you open up a big Lego kit. And you're all walking around with different Lego pieces, attaching them together, building this cabin together at the same time. And it's like none of these uh, like crafting survival games have done it quite like this. I mean, like in Minecraft, you can build stuff together, but they're all, you know, things of your own creation. It's you coming up with the design 100 percent. There's no template. This is a Lego game. So you have a template that you build from and you all are putting it together at the same time. And it just... I don't know, it was one of those weird, really joyful moments in, in games when you are playing with other people and you're like, we're doing this together. It's Aww. so much fun. Oh, <laughs> like, that's it's nice. It's just really cool. I can't wait to play more after we're done with work. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Okay, Michael, your turn. I have been needing some comfort in my life right now. And so rather than dealing with reading new books, I've been going back and rereading the old Star Wars Legends books of my high school days. Wow, okay. So I've been reading 
I don't know if there's any other Star Wars book readers here, but the old X-Wing series and the original books by Timothy Zahn that kind of established a lot of EU lore that got ended up, ended up in the prequels, like Coruscant and everything else. So, Is, is Darth Plagueis part of that? He, there is a book about him, but that is that's one of the newer books. This is just this is all stuff that was canceled out when Disney took over. None of this stuff is canon anymore, and they started new books. Uh, I'm reading the ones that were done before the prequels were even made, um, and they're a lot of fun, a lot of goofy stuff. But um, yeah, just really good comfort reads. Lots of space battles and new Jedi Order stuff and. Yeah, it's just a blast. I, I have never read any of those. I know my, my wife um, loved a bunch of those when she was younger. Um, and I feel like I, I want to try to read them, but I'm also afraid like they don't hold up. I don't know. So far they have. I mean, it depends like, on... It... I can give you some recommendations. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I would like some too. I haven't read any of the older ones, but I did read Darth Plagueis on audiobook. Which a friend of mine, I, I was, I'm not, I'm not a, really an audiobook person, but a friend of mine recommended it to me through audio, like for the audiobook, because right, and it's actually Sometimes really good. Better. The person who does it, like, is just really good, and um, so I, if you haven't read Darth Plagueis, um, I do need to. Read if that. you haven't heard the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise, <laughs> then I would recommend. Start with <laughs> Timothy Zahn and Michael A. Stackpole. Those are two really good authors that for starting with the legends love it love it uh okay well i'm uh, also going to stick to the theme of books um as you know i am an avid reader and i recently read two books that i think one of them is going to be most likely going to be my book of the year i don't know yet i haven't the year's not over we still have a few more books to read but uh the first which is a contender to be my book of the year, is called A Fig for All the Devils. I think I did talk to you guys about this um, just, you know, in in our group chats and stuff. But uh, it's a really, really, really good book. And it's about um, this young guy who, young boy, actually, who um, encounters the Grim Reaper. And um, the, the whole book sort of unfolds from there. But the really, really amazing thing, and I, I'm, I'm very much of an auditory person. I'm very much of a sensory person as well. So even when I'm reading any book, I usually, like if the book you know, mentions an artist's name or it mentions a song, I'll try to like find the song and I'll play it while I'm reading it. I feel like it helps me immerse myself in the book and it's really exciting. But what this author did is on the first page, it he provided a QR code to a curated playlist for the book. And it was probably the most amazing experience I have ever had reading a book. I was I finished the book in a day. It was so good, and I just wish all authors did that. So if you haven't read the book, it's called A Fig for All the Devils. It is a wonderfully written book. And then the second book that I recently finished, which is I think is going to be my second book of the year, um, is called Migrations. It's a book about this woman who follows Arctic terns, which is a bird that is, does the the longest migration in the entire world. And it's a, it's a fiction book, but it... It's very sensory. It makes you think a lot about global warming. It makes you realize, you know, 
the devastation. It's actually a really awful book to read. <laughs> Don't read it if you're if if you're sad about the the Earth's environment crumbling. But it's just a, a very beautifully scenic book, and um, I really really enjoyed it. And it was just it was yeah it was wonderful. Uh, but apart from that, I think we need to start a Shruti's. Book club we should. Or we should. I, I feel like we should do that. Um, yeah. And then I think the other thing that makes made me really happy this past, I would say, month. But again, I think apart from Derek and well, no, Derek, I think is included. But I think apart from Michael, I think Nick, me, and Derek, we all feel the same about the colder weather and snow. And um, we finally had our first official snowfall, and it's just really magical. I love snow. I think. It's just such a beautiful experience and it never gets old every year. Like I just love snow. I love when we see it. I love when it falls. It just makes you feel so cozy and I love it. And um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's what I feel about this past month. But apart from that, um, I wanted to thank our listeners wherever you're listening, whether it's in the morning, afternoon or night. We truly appreciate you taking the time and listening to us especially all our rambles and everything. And we will catch you guys soon. Bye.